Good afternoon. It is the 23rd, Saturday, the 23rd of June. And it's 15-ish after 3. And I intend for this to be a somewhat short talk walk. I'm aiming for it to be around 30 minutes. Got some questions to ask myself and and you, the universe, God, I don't know, just all of the above. And I don't think I touched on this at all yesterday. Wait till I get past this person with the car. But um, what I'm going to mention here is that I have started and quit two jobs in less than 30 days. Um, That wasn't the plan. That absolutely was not the plan. The first job was at a grocery store and very quickly... I saw that there was a lot of things happening there that did not meet my standard for an employer. I'm not even asking for all that much. You might think, oh, they weren't paying you enough money? Oh, they didn't have great benefits? Oh, they they didn't have free snacks? No, it's nothing like that at all. It's all I want is that an employer has a standard themselves. I want them to have a standard for their their employees and then hold their employees to that standard. I want there to be a standard for their acceptable level of cleanliness. And I want that to be somewhat commiserate with my own. If they said, well, we do have a standard of cleanliness. That's why it's at the certain level. Okay, fair enough. But that level is really, really low. There's mold behind this, and there's rotten food there, and there's just filth and disgusting nastiness in the coolers, and this thing hasn't been cleaned in a very long time. That's obvious by looking at it. So, yeah, your standard might not... Or your standard exists, but it's, it's really disgusting. You might say that somebody that lives in a house filled with, like a hoarder's house, just mountains of garbage. Well, they don't have a standard of living. Well, they do. They do. But it's it's much further below what a lot of people would deem acceptable. Their standard might be, as long as I'm not living in the middle of a swamp and covered in mold, then I'm, I'm okay and dead bodies and rotting animals and feces. As long as that's not the case, anything other than that, then I'm fine. That's my standard. Where some person might go, whoa, that's not quite good enough for me. I want, yeah, certainly not covered in feces, but also I'd like the kitchen to be cleaned up. I'm not asking for all of the the dishes to be constantly clean at all period, at all time, but I'd like there to be no dishes in the sink. 
I'd like if the floor was swept, oh, let's say once every week. Whereas somebody else might go, well, I'd like it swept every day. Somebody else might say, I'd like it swept every other, every other day. Different people have different standards of cleanliness. Different people have different standards of all kinds of things. Some people have low standards compared to other people. And some people have really high standards compared to other people. So when I saw that this grocery store, their standard was far below what I deemed acceptable, I said, I can't work here. This is, this is disgusting. This is absolutely disgusting. There's no way that I'm purchasing food from this place anymore. The only thing that I would even feel comfortable or safe purchasing from that place is something non-perishable in in, that came sealed, that the, that the employees there had nothing to do with. For example, uh, a bag of chips. They, they didn't make the chips there. They came in from a company and chips can get nice and hot. They can be room temperature, it doesn't matter. Okay, fine, I would, I would get that. Um, what else? Maybe a box of cereal or canned soups, some other canned goods. Those kinds of things, a box of Triscuits, some crackers. I might get those things, but that's about it. I would not get anything out of the deli. I wouldn't touch anything in the produce department where I worked at all, given what I saw. And so having seen this and having seen that it was throughout the whole place and it was really bad, among other issues that I witnessed or heard about from my wife who was also working there, I said, enough's enough. I don't need to stick around here any longer. I don't need to be here two weeks, three weeks, a month, four years. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be here at all. I can see what the problems are and I'm done. So I said this, I think it was a Thursday. I said this Saturday will be my final day. I'm going to work tomorrow, Friday, and I'll work the Saturday that I'm scheduled, but that's it. I won't be coming in anymore. Don't put me on the schedule. The CEO of that company and the um, HR person wanted to talk with my wife and I and ask, well, why? Why, we, why were we quitting so soon? And the answer that I gave was, at some point, something happened. Maybe there was a tomato on the ground or a bit of lettuce or something was left out and it wasn't put in the fridge or a door was left open or something wasn't cleaned. And instead of somebody going, hey, I'm going to close that door. I'm going to pick up that piece of lettuce or that, that tomato or I'm going to clean out this thing. They just shrugged and turned their back on it and walked away. And then that happened again and again and again and again and again for years and years and years. And other people saw that. And then it just spread and became a sickness and a rot that has now infiltrated your entire business. Vera and I put together a entire PowerPoint. It's actually Google Slides with the same damn thing. Explaining all of the things that we'd seen wrong. And we presented it to him. And we actually didn't show him the whole thing. We showed them um, about a third of it. I think there was 28, 29 slides all told. And we showed them 
around nine or ten at that nine or tenth one I said we've got another 20 odd slides here give or take a couple and if you'd like to see them we need to talk about compensation because our time isn't free it's another standard I have you don't just get things from me for nothing the CEO said oh I think I've seen enough I'm kind of in shock um, and then it was a, a bit of finger pointing and deflection there was a lot of well you know every company has its ups and downs and you know everybody struggles with stuff and of course there are some areas that we can improve on but there's some things that we do really well as as well so you know I, I, I don't know if it's all that fair of you to just focus on the negative well <laughs> okay yeah you give people their paychecks on time good job you um, aren't beating people with whips that's good you um, aren't torturing people so that's a good you know good good on that you aren't um, taking children from their 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 families when they come into the store so you know good, good on you for, for that stuff but boy there sure are a lot of other things that I can find that you are doing that aren't any good. Next up was a job with a plumbing company. I'm not gonna say the name, doesn't really matter, but it was a local plumbing company. And I thought it was a great company. I interviewed and I got a good sense. I thought this is this is great. The benefits were fantastic. Everything completely paid for. Medical, which is not inexpensive, was entirely paid for. Um, dental was paid for. Vision was optional, but it was like two bucks a pay period. So a total of well, it was like twelve dollars or eight dollars. Something like that, less than $10 a month for, for pretty good vision insurance. Um, it, was, it was pretty solid. There was paid vacation. There was a tool allowance, $250 every six months. It was, it was solid. It seemed like a good job. I liked what the owner had to say. But... Then I went out with the, the very, on the first day with the, one of the plumbers and his sense of urgency was almost non-existent. It's kind of, all right, well, let's go over here and check this thing out and we'll put this over here and then I'm going to talk with this guy for a little bit and then you and I will talk a little bit. And then we'll do a little bit of work. And then we'll talk a little bit more. And then I'll have a smoke break. And then we'll do a little bit of work. And then we'll we'll put the stuff away. And then we'll talk a little bit. And then we'll write up the invoice. And we'll just kind of chill and listen to the radio for a little bit. And then we'll go give the invoice to the person. And then we'll be on our way. And a job that could have been done in 30 minutes, 45 minutes, let's say, was done in an hour and a half. 
another job that could have been done in many times it was twice the amount of time was taken we did one job that involved us going up on a roof which we weren't there to do but it ended up being the solution to the problem we had to go up on a roof and run the sewer snake down through the vent if you ever are on a roof and you see the little chimney things up there those are those are gas vents so that the stinky smells go out of your house and they're not toxic fumes inside of your home so we went up there to run the sewer snake down through that well that's a $500 charge to the customer because you might go, well, why in the heck is it $500? Well, it's $500 because this company that I was working for is one of few, I am told, that would do roof work. And the reason we were one of few is because the owner pays for the insurance, the insurance that will cover you and supply you with your needs and cover your, your butt if you fall from the roof. But the reason they have the insurance at all is because the owner expects the employees to be doing certain things, such as wearing safety harnesses when they go up on the roof. So if you're doing a roof job, you're supposed to wear a safety harness that's supposed to be anchored so that if you fall down, you don't bust your head open. Well, I didn't know this. I learned about this after the fact. I learned about this once we were leaving the job. And so, yeah, we saved the little old lady $300, which, you know, there's something to be said for that. But at the same time, we did the things improperly. And that was on my first day. The second day, it was more of the same. The third day, I went with somebody different. And this guy was very lazy in the same way that the first guy was. Lots of smoke breaks, lots of dilly-dallying. He told me flat out that he didn't like doing service calls. Service calls are a lot of what plumbers do. It's going out to clear a drain. Somebody's got a backed up shower. They've got a black, backed up bathroom sink. Their, their toilet isn't flushing. So you go out there and you figure out the problem. He didn't like that. He didn't want to do those kind of things because he didn't like going to different, different people's homes and trying to figure out their problem and solving for them. He didn't like that. He wanted to go a job and know where he was going to be and just kind of do that all day long. Well, the very first day that we went to this place, all we were to do was jackhammer a section of flooring, dig out a pit, put a plastic bucket down in that pit, a very sturdy plastic, it's called a, a sump pump pit, or sump pit. A, it's a large, I don't know how many gallons, I would guess, probably about 25 gallons, maybe 30 gallons. It's buried in the ground, about 30 inches, which you have to dig that all out, which that was, took some time, but nowhere near, it shouldn't have taken anywhere near as long as it took us. You dig it out, all the, the soil, all the dirt, you get all the concrete out of there, you load it into buckets, you haul it out of the person's house, you put the sump pump in there, you put the, you put the pit in there, you put the sump pump in there, and then you put pea gravel around there, around the, the, the pit, and then you cement it in. Well, that took all of 12 hours across two days when it could have been done all told in six. Certainly the first day. We could have had the whole project done for sure in the first day without a problem. I can say that with absolute confidence. 
given how much extra time was taken doing this or that and people just, well not people, this guy dilly-dallying. And this was my first time doing any of these things. So I didn't know exactly what to do. I had to wait and I had to ask him like, okay, what, what can I do now? What can I do? And he would just oftentimes say, ah, we're just gonna, just gonna take a break for a little bit. Okay, Hi. is there anything else that I can do? Yeah, well, we got to do this, but you know, we're, we're gonna, just gonna, I'm just gonna chill for a little bit. Okay, I, <laughs> I guess if that's what you're gonna do, then that's what you're gonna do. I, I don't know what the next step is here because I've never done this before in my life, so I'm just gonna be paying attention. Fourth day, I end up going with somebody different. And he was telling me to lie. We spent four and a half hours at a particular location, or three and a half, three and a half, four and a half, when there's absolutely no reason for us to take that amount of time there. We could have had what we were do, supposed to do at this home done in an hour, two hours at the absolute max. I, there's no reason it would have taken two hours. But it stretched out to three and a half. And he told me, oh yeah, if anybody asks, uh, just, just tell them we were working the whole time. Well, no, I'm not gonna do that. I didn't agree, I didn't tell him anything. I just ignored what he said. I just didn't respond. I think I might have asked, well, what were we supposed to be doing? Oh, well, you know, I guess there's, there's not really a whole lot we can do. And then you just dilly-dallying, so much wasted time. My question is, with all this being said, is there any way that I could have seen this? Is there any way that I could have known beforehand that things would go that way? And I've thought about this a bunch and the answer comes back to me, no. I, how there was, there was no way for me to know that. I, I couldn't have known until I rode with these people that how they would be. The only exposure I had to the company was via the owner who I interviewed with. And that conversation went very well. I was not given the impression that there was any laziness or dilly-dallyness. I thought this was a high-end professional plumbing company. It just seemed like everybody wanted to stand around and get paid to scratch their nose and look at their phones, do a bunch of nothing. And I don't want anything to do with that. No interest to be a part of such a group of people. Tomorrow I have an interview with a couple guys for a general contractor. And there was a lot of things I liked about that plumbing job, which is why I want to get into a trade. Not to mention how much money there is in that industry out here in the Detroit area. So many people seem to be moving here. Homes, there are so many homes that are in ramshackle shape that are gonna need to be repaired. And there's not that many people that know how to do that work compared to the number of people that know how to diddle around on their computer. And so I feel and have felt for a time that the trade industry is where a lot of money can be made. It was a large reason why I wanted to transition from the, the retail that I had into a hardware store. So I took my retail experience, the strength that I had, and used that to leverage myself into a position at a hardware store. 
my customer service was great and it got even better at the hardware store. I, I improved a lot in my, my ability to talk to people. And then after a couple of years at the hardware store, about two and a half, I had a pretty good foundation of what tools are and how they work and what various components go into a house and, and why and, and where they go and what they do. I've got a, a, a good foundation to work from. I just have very little practical application of that information. And that's why I wanted to then take that information that I had, that book learning, if you will, that I'd gotten at the, at the hardware store, and then get into a trade. And being able to say, well, here's the some time that I spent at a hardware store is a lot better than saying, I don't know anything. Well, have you ever done any projects around your own home? I don't have a home and I've never done any projects. Do you own any tools? Have you done any sort of repairs on anything at all? Nope. I struggle with Ikea furniture. Okay, well, I don't know why I would hire you then. That doesn't sound like somebody I would want to hire, but if somebody says, hey, I don't have a lot of practical knowledge, but I, if you told me to go grab a, a Phillips screwdriver, I would know what the heck you were talking about. If you told me to grab um, a box end wrench, I would know what the heck you were talking about. If you told me you needed a... Uh, a circular saw, I would know what you were talking about. If you told me that you needed a quarter 20 um, inch and a half machine screw, I would know what you were talking about. If you told me that you needed a 1024 machine screw, I would know what you were talking about. If you told me that you needed a grade 8 bolt instead of a grade 5 bolt, I would know what you were talking about. If you told me that there's a lot of things, a 3 8 to a 3 8 uh, compression to a half inch ball cock. I would know what you're talking about. I'm not, not actually sure that's a thing. I think it is. I believe it is. You need a 3838 supply line, braided steel braided supply line. I would know what you're talking about. There's a bunch of examples that I could give. I have a pretty solid knowledge of a hardware store, but I want to now put that into practical application. And I thought that's what I was going to be doing at the plumbing job. And it was when I was working exactly what I was doing. And it was great. And I really liked that hands-on experience. I really liked that hands-on work. I, I really enjoyed the, the sewer cleaning aspect because you would go there, a person has a problem, they're not happy. I mean, it's not, they're not upset at you, but they're just, oh man, I got this problem, I want this cleared. My sense, you know, you can see in their tub, and there's a bunch of filth in there and some hair and, and dirt and because it hasn't been draining or it's draining really slow. You go there, you snake it out, you turn the machine on, you, you, you have the solution to their problem and then they, you leave and they're, they're happy. They pay you the $185 or $300 or whatever the heck it is for the, the thing that you're doing. And they're, they're, they're glad because you had the solution to their problem. Maybe they could have done it themselves, maybe, but that would take time and energy and, and, and research on their end and they're not sure and they're paying you because you're the professional. And I like that, being able to come into a home and, and fix the problem and, and leave and the person's glad that you, you solved their, their issue. That was one of the things I loved so much about working at the hardware store is somebody would call come in and they've got a problem hey i don't know how to bar this door okay well what's the situation well it looks like this and they show you a picture okay oh i see what you're talking about yeah and you can't put a two by four in there because there's this this tiny narrow gap well what if we put a steel rod in there well that could work but it's a it's a 30 inch gap and i see that you've only got 36 inch rods how what do we do there well how about this how about i cut it down for you you can do that absolutely 
Oh, wonderful, great. Yeah, that'd be so helpful. That would be one. That, that, that would do it. And then you do it. Then they're happy and they go on their way. And thank you so much. Yeah, I'll see you again if you come in. Okay, I'll be sure to find you. Thanks for solving my problem. I like doing that. And so when I interview with these people, a couple of folks, I want to talk to them. And I'm going to be completely honest with them. But there might still be some things that happen on the job that I just go, you know, this is, this is not for me. And it's not that I'm afraid or shy of hard work. I'm fine with hard work. Busting up that floor, admittedly, I didn't do any of the jackhammering, but I was doing digging in clay. That's not fun, exactly easy work. It's, it's labor and, and, you're, and you're lifting things and, and we're carrying buckets that were probably 40 to 50 or maybe even 60 pounds out of this house full of dirt and, and water and mud and clay and concrete chunks and walking through a big basement. It was this large home owned by a, a, um, a lawyer, pretty probably a 500 or more thousand dollar home on a good plot of land out in a ritzy area of Michigan, Bloomfield Hills which is right next door to an area called Beverly Hills. I mean, these are nice areas, really nice areas. And the homes there, all of them are huge, multiple thousand square feet homes. The entire basement area of this home was bigger than any home that I've ever lived in. I think that's true. I do think that's true. Well, okay, there was one home I lived in that I shared with five other people that was probably bigger than its basement area. But it was a, my point is it was a really big area. It was a whole home in of, it, of itself. And so I walk through there carrying a, a, a 50 or whatever pound bucket in each hand and up to the stairs and then out to the truck. I'm not saying this because it was, I'm complaining. I'm saying it, it wasn't easy work, but I was fine with it. it uh, my, my reason for quitting wasn't, oh, this is difficult work. Oh, it's physical labor. I don't mind that. I enjoyed getting off of work and taking a shower and going, man, I, I did good work. I did, I did labor and I, I feel alive. I feel like I did something. My issue with both the grocery store and the plumbing place was being surrounded by people that just didn't care. And I, and I can't do it. Some people think that's the bee's knees. Oh, if you could get paid to just sit around, oh man, that's, you've made it. That's it, there you go, you're set. You know, I don't think that person's being very honest with themselves. I think that they're gonna feel kind of sick with themselves for doing that. I think a lot of people that live those lives, sedentary lives where they're just doing nothing, I don't think those people are very healthy, mentally, sometimes physically, or emotionally. I think we need something to contend with. I need something to that pushes back against us. If you think about lifting weights, if you get stronger, it's because you've been lifting heavy weights. It's not because you've been lifting dumbbells made of cotton candy four times and then you go, oh, there we go, I'm done. And I'm gonna go eat some ice cream. It's been, I'm gonna lift it three times and then set it down. And it weighs a quarter of a pound. No, that person's not getting any stronger. The person that gets stronger is the person that's lifting heavy, heavy stuff. And it's same, it's the same thing when you're going out and doing mental things or physical things or emotional things. The more you contend with difficult, challenging, problems, 
the stronger you will be as a result of contending with those things. And I don't want to be around a bunch of wussies. Emotionally, mentally, physically weak people that just have given up. I, I have no interest in being around those people. And so if I have to quit job after job after job until I can find a job where I'm surrounded by people that give a damn and actually want to put in a good solid day's work, you know, work hard, play hard, then I'm, that's what I'll do. But I'm not about to just settle for a place that people are dicking off and wasting time and lying. I'm not going to do it. I don't really have any advice for you. The advice that I have to give is already contained within this. I guess I can explicitly say, figure out what your standard is and stick to it. Don't settle. Do not settle. And you know when you're settling. You do. There's a voice, there's a, a feeling inside of you that you get. Every time you know when it's happened. It's it's usually the the, the the option that doesn't it's it's the option of the least resistance you're hungry and you see mcdonald's or taco bell and you go oh i can just go through the drive-thru but you know you're not going to feel all that good afterwards you're thinking oh there's a grocery store the next block up yeah but then i'm going to have to park and then i'm going to have to walk into the grocery store and then i'm going to have to walk down the aisles to get the things that i want and that's going to take i mean five ten minutes and my lunch break is only half an hour where I could be in and through and done at the drive-thru in five minutes and be eating by the time I've given the money and I'm driving out of there. So five minutes and be eating or 10 minutes and be eating. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to take the five minutes. Yeah, but then you feel like crap and you are on the toilet and your body doesn't feel all that healthy. Yesterday I ate at National Coney, a Coney Island place where they had nachos and I, I was hoping for some re silly, foolish reason, I was thinking that they, the nachos would ha come with actual cheese on it, not some sort of cheese ooze stuff. Well, I was wrong. I got waffle fries, some seasoned waffle fries with this chili sauce on it, which I'm not sure that was even real meat. And I felt disgusting afterwards. I felt absolutely disgusting. And, uh, yeah, I won't be doing that again. I won't be doing that again. I can feel it in my, my whole being. It, it's weird. The healthier I get, the more I can feel something like that. All right. I love you. Please make good choices. Bye-bye.